0: Hey guys, are you ready for some money rehab? Wall Street has been completely upended by an unlikely player, GameStop. That's, uh, mean, and should I have a 401k? You I don't could, do it? No, I never Do you think the whole world revolves around?
1: Charge for wasting our time. I will take a check like
0: a old school. You recognize her from anchoring on CNN, CNBC, and Bloomberg. The only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. The cold Lapin. As you know, here on Money Rehab, we feature change makers, public figures making change in every sense of the word, and along the way have been in or might still be in Money Rehab. Today, we're talking to change maker Julie Smolansky. Julie is the CEO of the company LifeWave Foods. It's a role she took over from her father when he passed away when Julie was only in her 20s. Since taking over the company, Julie has scaled the company in a huge way, and I wanted to hear how she did it. So, Julie... Welcome to Money Rehab. With our Maker episodes, Julie, we start with a quick game of Money Rehab, Never Have I Ever.
1: Have you played this game? I have. Not around money, but <laughs> <laughs> usually with my teenage girls. <laughs>
0: Yep, this one uh, unfortunately has no beverages included. Um, but if you have done something, just say you have. And if you haven't, just say you haven't. Never have I ever leased a car. Never. Never have I ever donated to a charity. I have. Never have I ever signed a prenup. Never. Never have I ever had buyer's remorse. I have. Never have I ever invested in cryptocurrency. I have. Never have I ever bought a lottery ticket. I have. Never have I ever taken a mental health day. I have. Never have I ever argued with a romantic partner about money.
1: All the time. (laughs) Honestly, who hasn't?
0: Never have I ever overdrafted on my account. Maybe once or twice. And finally, never have I ever
1: worked as a CEO. I have. Yay. Along with a lot of other jobs over my life. I'm
0: sure. And I'm sure as the CEO, you also wear a lot of hats and have a lot of jobs within the company. I can't wait to get into all things you're doing with Lifeway right now. Of course, you started as the youngest female CEO of a publicly traded company. Uh, When we last spoke, it was in person. I wish we were doing this uh, IRL, unfortunately, URL. So we'll take what we can get. But you have been quite active and quite busy these days. Uh, you and your parents, for those who don't know, came to the United States from Ukraine when you were little. Can you tell us about
1: your family's immigration story and how you're feeling right now? Yes. Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, my parents and I were refugees from the former Soviet Union. Uh, I was one when we uh, were given asylum and were, were able to come and settle in Chicago. We were one of the first of 48 families who escaped in this first wave of exodus uh, from the Soviet Union in the middle of the Cold War. It was 1976. Um, the day that I was born in 1975, my father made uh, a silent promise to me and said that he would do everything in his power to get me out of the country. He was an engineer. Uh, You know, we're talking a lot about shortwave radios right now as things are being blocked. Um, And my father was able to wire a radio and catch voice of America, which was being jammed by the Soviets. And uh, he started to learn about what life was like outside of the Iron Curtain. So it was one of the things that inspired him to leave. Um, He also was able to get rock albums, the Beatles Led Zeppelin underground through a black market system. This was contraband in the Soviet Union, they, they did not allow for freedom of expression, artistic expression, political expression, religious expression, none of those things were allowed as forbidden and, and he got really angry that just by owning these records, it could send him to jail. And so when I was born, he made this promise. And a year later, in the middle of the night, we defected with nothing but the clothes on our back and uh, got to Chicago with one hundred and sixteen dollars in our pocket. We lived in exile in Rome for three months while we waited for our paperwork. So great admiration for these countries that are now you know, taking refugees and holding them and, and giving them a safe place to catch their breath. Um it's, it's really heartwarming. So my parents started our life in Chicago. And uh, a few years later, you know, my mom noticed that there was a, a bigger wave of immigration every year. More people were leaving and coming and settling in Chicago. And she said, well, there was, you know, limited scarcity of food in the Soviet Union. She, um noticed that the food was very different in the States. And so she opened up the first Russian, Russian, now we don't know what identity, Ukrainian, Russian. At the time it was Soviet Union, the first delicatessen catering to this this population. And uh, people would come to land at O'Hare and were told you gotta go to my mom's store and they'd come in for some pierogies and some advice on how to start life in America. I write about this in my book, The Kiefer Cookbook, um, which shares a lot of recipes from, you know, refugee life, immigrant life, entrepreneurial life, and and so on. And so, um, you know, this is how we started. And and a few years after that, my father and my mother were in Germany at a trade show, at a food buying show. And they said, you know, America has everything. They bought three bottles of kefir in Germany, which it was sold there. Uh, America has everything, but it doesn't have kefir. And, And my mom said, well, you're an engineer. Why don't you make the product you know, design a plant, design the factory, and I will sell it through my food distribution system. And so in 19, that was 85. In 86, they launched the company, you know, no business plan, no logos, no money, (laughs) just a dream. Uh, But, but, you know, take charge and, and do it. So they, they did it. And, uh, two years later, he took the company public. It was growing so, so quickly he needed more capital and somebody said, well, you should go public. And, uh, he went to the library to research what that meant and wrote his own, you know, business plan then and, and took the company public and, uh, you know, continued to grow the business until, unfortunately, in 2002, he had a sudden heart attack. And uh, I was thrust into the position as CEO at the age of 27. And I haven't stopped. I haven't looked back. Just keep pushing forward. You have indeed kept
0: pushing the company forward. You've also lately paid a lot of homage to your roots. Um, It is the most amazing American dream type story. You even posted on Instagram your father's. It looked like refugee paperwork, the uh, U.S. Department of Justice going to Chicago. Uh, What are you feeling now for those who are leaving Ukraine?
1: I mean, I am devastated, as we all are, everyone in my community, my team. You know, we have over 200 people who work at Lifeway, and many of us are refugees and immigrants from the, the former Soviet Union, Russia, Ukraine, the region, surrounding regions. We're all heartbroken, devastated, horrified, traumatized, uh, you know, just broken. Uh, it, it is so painful to watch what's happening, to see our home countries being decimated and, and turned to dust. Our our, our people, our, our cousins, our fam- friends and families, homes destroyed. These grandmas, our, our elderly, our babushkas and our dedushkas, you know, walking with one bag, that all the you know the, the, whatever they can take it's it's heartbreaking it's gut wrenching uh i it, it is so painful i don't have even words to describe um, you know, we are trying to mobilize and do everything we can. Uh, we actually just today announced our uh, participation as the uh, title presenting sponsor at the Chicago Chefs, Chicago Chefs Cook for Ukraine, uh, which will be held in March 16th at Navy Pier in Chicago. We have. Probably 30 to 60 of Chicago's top chefs, all cooking on behalf of chefs for you for, for World Central Kitchen, which is Jose Andres uh, humanitarian relief organization. You know, this his team is on the front lines at five bordering countries right now bringing food and relief to mostly women and children and some elderly, you know, people who, who and some sick people. But, you know, it's not lost on me. We're, we're recording this on International Women's Day. And, you know, the people who are crossing the border right now are women and children and they are hungry, tired, scared, grieving, traumatized, confused, broken in pain people, just broken. But but I will say the humanity, the outpouring of support, the unification, you know, within hours, this fundraiser was created in in an iconic location in the United States at Navy Pier in Chicago. Um, You know, the, the, the outpouring of support from all over the world, it is unifying us. It restores our faith in humanity. It heals us uh you know it, it is very moving and touching to see the the outpouring of support and um you know what else can we do but channel our pain into something that uh can help hold on to your wallets boys and girls money rehab will be
0: right back Now for some more money rehab. And you have used your platform through the company and fundraising efforts to help do just that 35 years or more uh, after the company was founded by your father. What do you think if he were alive today, he would say about what you're doing and what's going on?
1: I think my father would be so proud and um you know, I I think he would be beyond beyond proud to see what we're doing, to see how we've grown, to be in a position to be able to do this kind of work. Uh, he he would be honored and humbled and um, screaming from the top of the rooftops, you know, everywhere and telling everyone how proud he is that we are in this place to do this, that we, you know, that he took the courage and the risk and the bravery to leave all those years ago, unknowing what was going to, be behind those walls behind that iron curtain. And, um, and he'd be, you know, mourning and crying for his homeland, he would be devastated, and and broken as broken as as we all feel. Uh, you know, it, it's taking everything and me to not, you know, book a flight and fly over there myself and, you know take a rifle and learn how to shoot. Uh, it's, it's hard, but I, I have a a pull to do that. Um, you know, I, but it, there's a, a bit of survivor's guilt even for me that, you know, somehow we're here, I made it, I'm, I'm here and safe. And so many, women and children and families are not. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I'd love to do anything I can to help. I just... Your father and his legacy is something that you continue
0: to work on and and bring to heights that he could have never imagined, I'm sure. Uh, You've said that you immediately fell in love with what he was doing and the impact it could have. Can you talk a little bit about that some more, what did you especially love? And did you always feel this, you know, uh, pressure around continuing his his legacy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always felt that I was incredibly lucky to be in the United States and in, in America. And, you know, he's, since I can remember, talked about the values of America, democracy, the freedoms that we have, human rights. Um, this was just, part of everyday conversation, you know, moral ethics, whatever, um, these values that, that, uh, America holds dearly and that you'd have to fight for them always. And, uh, you know, I feel that you know, again, because I am in this country, I have this obligation to give back and to, uh, elevate those, those values and, um, you know when I and yes, I, I've always felt this urge to want to help people and change the world, quote unquote, as cliche as it sounds, uh, but it's true. And um, you know when uh, I started to learn about the impact or the the benefits of kefir, you know, at first I just thought. Oh, it's this crazy, you know, Eastern European product, and it's for the grandmas, and and you know, I'm American, and so I want Coke or whatever. But when I started learning about the benefits, and you know, my father talked about them, like you know, th- there's uh, a famous doctor, famous biologist, uh, Dr. Ellie Metchnikoff, who in 1908 did the first science research studies around kefir and gut health and probiotics, and. Dr. Metchnikoff was like a unicorn rock star in my house. And this man is, you know, he won the Nobel prize in 1908. So this is like an older gentleman, let's say, but he was a a mystical creature. And, you know, as I started to learn more about Kiefer and hear what my father was talking about as it could help people, I just thought, you know. Gosh, well, here I can help him and help like my family business, and you know, use the skills and education that I've learned here in the states, and and grow this and help him. And you know, I was in the office late one day and uh, still kind of deciding what I was going to do with my career. And I picked up the phone and it was a customer who called and she started telling me about how Kiefer helped her that she. Um, had crohn 's disease and was supposed to have eighty uh, percent of her digestive tract removed and On a whim, somebody told her about our product and she tried it and almost immediately started to feel better within two weeks. She uh, was off her medication and took uh, cancelled her her surgery and you know this story stuck with me and Really, uh, I think changed my my position on on Kiefer and and Lifeway, and made me realize that you know here I, I have an opportunity to improve people's lives, their health, their well being, reduce their suffering, and this is everything that I wanted to to do. This is how I wanted to spend my time on Earth, and so that's you know what really prompted me to. Uh, I was originally in grad school for psychology, I was gonna be a psychologist, but, you know, same, same purpose and apply it to to this business. And and that's what I've done. When you started as
0: CEO, this was a different time. How much pushback did you have? You know, it was 20 years ago, versus the confidence that you have now, um, as a CEO and the comfort that you found in your own skin? How have
1: you done that? Well, following incredible women like you who send incredible inspirational messages out into the universe all the time really actually does help quite a bit. Um, But yeah, you know, the the day that my dad died, uh, all the the friends of my family showed up at my mother's house. And, uh, you know, less than five feet away from me, my father's best friend, talking to another person said, oh, that's it. The company's over. Sell all your shares. There's no way a 27-year-old girl can run a publicly traded company. It's over. And that really pissed me off. It fueled me. It gave me all the inspiration to prove him wrong. And I think of him and I have gratitude for him uh, as angering, you know, as, 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 mad and pissed off as I was about that comment, it absolutely gave me fuel to prove him wrong. And every day I prove him wrong. Um, and yeah, I mean, once I got my groove at first, I just didn't really know what to do. And I, you know, would be, you know, I remember being obsessed about the sign in front of our business in front of the building and, um, thinking like, I got to change the sign. I got to like change the sign. And, and, and I think really what it was is I just needed to make decisions and whatever those decisions were uh, until I really found my groove. Um, some of those decisions were silly. Some of them were, you know, min, minute in, in, you know, importance. But ultimately, yeah, then when I realized that, you know, no one's going to give you power you just have to take it. And you either, yeah, yeah. you either, you know, you have leadership skills or you don't. I mean, I think think we all have them and we all can lean into them. Not everyone does. And, you know, it's, it takes guts. It takes courage and bravery to, to make decisions, to maybe be wrong, uh, to, to fail, to, you know, make a decision that doesn't go the way you want it to go. It takes risk and courage and, um, you know, if you don't try, you know, you'll never, you'll never win. Uh, so I think, you know, leaning into that fear and those risks, making those decisions, following my gut. I mean, I would say most of the time I get literally, not, <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> I have not really made major missteps that I can, can recall. And the things that went wrong were always used as learning, you know, learning opportunities to only get better and stronger and pivot. And I think that's how we always have approached. Those situations, like take every hand that's dealt to you and um, play it—you know, play it to your advantage—and that's what we've tried to do. And um, yeah, and then then I just didn't have time to even worry if I was going to fail or not fail. I just had to, you know, to be honest, failure was just not an option. I just didn't even have time to think. If I was going to, if I'm doing it right or not, you know, we had to just keep moving forward, keep making decisions, the best ones that we could for the company, using whatever hand was dealt to us, no matter what.
0: For today's tip, you
1: can take straight to the
0: bank. If you were moved by Julie's perspective on Ukraine, you can help. You can find resources to help the people of Ukraine in the show notes.